welcome to the Book of Mormon Evidence podcast with host Rod Meldrum. This week's Come Follow Me supplemental study is Lesson 15, Mosiah, Chapters 1-3, through 3, Filled with Love Towards God and All Men. Douglas E. Brinley graduated in economics from Utah State University, obtained a master's degree from Utah State, and later received a Ph.D. from BYU in family studies. He has authored or co-authored 16 books, many of which are on marriage and family relations. He taught at Brigham Young University in the College of Religious Education in the Department of Church History and Doctrine. He retired in 2008 after 43 years in church education. Welcome back, everybody. We are grateful to have you here. We are going to be talking about, this is the Come Follow Me program of Book of Mormon Evidence. And I have with me a dear friend, Doug Brindley, with me. And uh, we're going to be talking about some some wonderful things that he's got to share with us. But just again, just as a quick reminder, it's Come Follow Me program. Uh, We're assuming that you've already read the lesson. And this this week's lesson is um, is, uh, Mosiah chapters 1 through 3. So uh, we are excited to, uh, to talk about this. This is a kind of a change now uh, as far mm-hmm. as um, moving from the small plates of Nephi and then the words of Mormon and so forth that were there to the large plates of Nephi. And now we have this, this on the record of Mosiah who was written by, by a Mormon. So. And we find out what a great editor uh, Mormon was because now <laughs> he's going to be abridging this, says he can only do a hundredth part of it. But uh, what a powerful uh, writer he is, and he's trying to fight wars, and he's trying to <laughs> keep uh, you know, his wife and family going. It, it's amazing what he was able to do. Yeah, yeah, and taking, taking all of these records, he's got this, this, an entire room full of records. He has to decide which stuff he's going yeah. to you know, put in, the, uh, put, take and compile that all into the, the large plates of Nephi, and which things he's going to leave out. And so forth, and, uh, and I, I got I gotta say though, this is something. If you now again um, for this uh, for these come follow me things, we are using uh, the uh, annotated edition of the Book of Mormon as a reference material. And if you uh, turn to the annotated edition of the Book of Mormon on page one forty, it talks about chiasms, and specifically uh, throughout the book, we've already talked about chiastic structures and things, which is basically you have like a concept A, then you have concept B, then concept C. And then it continues on sometimes, uh, but then it will go back to concept C and return back and revisit concept B and then, and then again concept A. Yeah, this is uh, something Jack Welch came up with mm-hmm. many yeah. years ago. Yep, and many years ago. Impressive. But a lot of people don't know that a lot of times you can find small chiastic structures in the Book of Mormon, but this is, I think it's the, the largest one. And, uh, and basically the chiastic structure involves the entire Book of Mosiah. So uh, starting off uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, about uh, King Benjamin exhorting his sons with continual peace in the land, and then all the way until you get to Mosiah chapter 29, where Alma becomes the first chief judge and, he dra- and the reign of the kings is ended. So, excuse me, the King Mosiah exhorts his people and there's continuous peace throughout the land in, in chapter 29. So this is an interesting chiastic structure because it involves the entire book. But this is what fascinates me personally <laughs> a little bit about this. If you turn uh, again to the Annotated Book of Mormon here to page 158, it talks about flashbacks in the Book of Mormon. Mm-hmm. And these flashbacks in time, for example, in Mosiah chapters 1 through 8, it starts with about 130 B.C. and talks about uh, you know, King Benjamin and so forth. It goes, and that, that continues on until about 121 B.C. And then there's a, a flashback in, in the chapters 9 through 22 of yeah, Mosiah. With Zenith. It picks up the Zenith, Noah and Abinadi story, clear it back at 200 B.C. So it drops back 70 years and picks up that and then continues forward back to 121 B.C. And then in Mosiah chapters 23 and 24, it flashes back to 145 B.C. And then it catches up to 120 B.C. at the end of that. And then the final chapters, chapters 25 through 29 of Mosiah, are uh, from 120 B.C. and it continues on until 91 B.C. The reason why I think this is fascinating is because even though you have these, these flashing back and forth in time, the chiastic structures, the chiasm is actually still in order, yeah. even though it's flashing back and forth in time, which tells me that Mormon was a genius. <laughs> he was well, you know, he was. <laughs> the fact that Mormon had seen our day in addition, mm-hmm. means that when he's going to be picking out what he's going to uh, abridge, he's, he's got us in mind. And so 
Yeah. The the Book of Mormon is so relevant to our day that I think that's an exciting point too. Is so that you have to ask, keep asking yourself, why did Mormon put this in here? And then you look around at our society and you see that oh, well, that's similar things are going on. Yeah. In our day. Yeah. Well, now, now that I've uh, kind of just a, just a little quickie uh, overview. Um, Doug, would you tell us a little bit more about yourself? I know uh, I know quite a bit, but uh, I would love to have you just tell us a little bit more about. You know, I know this is this is kind of a little bit different from your main um, teaching at BYU, which had to do yeah, with you marriage know, I, and family. I've and, written sixteen books, and, and uh, <laughs> they're all on marriage, except for one book that yes. has, has to do with the Book of Mormon. And tell us about that book. Well, that's a book in which I outline the fact that there have been four civilizations that have lived on this land, <laughs> and uh, three of them are gone, except for the Lamanite portion. And uh, so I, d- I divided it up in, well, let's look at those uh, civilizations. We, we had Adam down to Noah, mm-hmm. and that's probably 1,700 years. And then we've got the Jaredites coming over. They're here from 2200 B.C. down to, I'm not sure, 250, 350 yeah. Um, yeah. B.C., and then you get Lehi and the family coming over, and the Mulekites are going to join with them. So I've sort of put them into the same Together. group. Uh-huh. And then now finally we've got the Gentiles. Uh, Joseph Smith is called a Gentile in the title page of the Book of Mormon. Mm-hmm. So we live in the dispensation of the Gentiles, and the Book of Mormon's got a lot to say about that. The Savior will have a lot to say about that <laughs> when we get to Third Nephi, too. So, so well, then, just, just as a quick plug here, so the, the book is called America in Peril, Ten Stages in the Destruction of a Promised Land Yeah, by Doug Brindley. So anyway, I just that. sort of went, uh, you know, the first stage is you, you got to get here. So uh, Adam and Eve started the whole thing here, and then all the rest of them, the Jaredites, the Lehites, and the Gentiles had to come by ship. And then once they're here, God makes a covenant with them. And that covenant basically is that you have to serve the God of the land, who is Jesus Christ, or if you get to a certain stage of wickedness, you're going to be destroyed, or the righteous are going to be well, can we, can we just discuss that for just sure. a second, yeah. this promised land, because in, in, in my research that I've done, uh, I've found that, that when Christ was with the Nephites later on in, in the Book of Mormon, he talks about only two promised lands. He said there's yeah. basically the Jerusalem and there's the New Jerusalem. Exactly. And these two promised lands, now there's a covenant on that land, but one of the questions I get all the time from people is, is that covenant with the people or is it actually on the land itself? And the answer to that is actually it's both. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. If you have a promised land, then that means you've got a covenant land, but right. the people, got a who promise. Live, <laughs> people who live there also are under an obligation. Yeah, to uh, to live, the and, and the promise basically was with Adam is as long as these as long as his posterity remains righteous, they get to stay on this right. special land. Yeah, but and if the day comes when they choose wickedness, then they're going to get the broom treatment. I think it was the. In fact, I, <coughs> I I have to give credit to Doug here. Doug was the one that actually originally. <laughs> um, Talked about this being the broom treatment being swept well, off the, the land. Noah, in, Noah's, in, in Noah's day, it was a, it was a mop, but from the, <laughs> from the Jaredites to the Lehites, you know, then it was a broom. They got swept off when they got uh-huh. got too wicked. That's right. So the Lord's going to make a covenant with these folks, and uh, that covenant is you have to serve the God of the land, That's and right. then He establishes laws. You, be, to make people accountable. So you've got the law of Moses, you've got the laws of Mosiah, mm-hmm. and of course when the Savior comes, then you're going to get the gospel law. Also, so, well, so the laws that, of Moses are basically the Ten Commandments. Right. So, uh, yeah. so basically, we've got the civilization established. Now the question is, will the people ever choose evil over good? If the majority chooses evil over good, then you begin to get the broom door closet opening. (laughs) Begin to get some initial judgments. And usually those initial judgments are weather-related. You get earthquakes or you get tornadoes or you get hurricanes. Natural phenomena. And we've had our share of those things. So when it gets to that point, then the Lord sends out the missionaries and so that's interesting in our day because, you know, in 2012, President Monson, now we change the ages of missionaries, so mm-hmm. the, the world is ripening in iniquity, and so we need to get missionaries out there. And my gosh, when the sisters were allowed to serve missions at 19, you know, we ballooned from 58,000 up to 85,000. Yeah. 
Uh, thank, thank goodness. And uh, so we got lots of sisters going on missions, which I love because that means we're going to get better wives. Now, when you send out the missionaries, people either respond by accepting the message or they reject it or they tolerate you. So today, our missionaries, they're not throwing our missionaries in jail. You know, They pat us on the head and say, Oh, gosh, that's so great. You guys are out at your own time. You can't even date while you're out there. This is wonderful. Uh, I think you got to hear this. So, you know, they're tolerating uh, us. That's right. We're getting some converts, but most of our converts are among those South American folks down there. Anyway, if they accept the gospel, then you go back to stage two, where you've got the covenant back on the land. And uh, then if they reject it, then the Spirit of the Lord withdraws from them, and then they begin to cast out the righteous. And then the tenth stage is that either the Lord has to lead the righteous to another land or he destroys the wicked. So, so that, and that happened with all the civilizations. And uh, even, even in Noah's day, uh, in Moses chapter 8, you get okay. every man was evil continually, it says, in the days of Noah, so so we can actually trace that back to each each one of these different civilizations that have occupied the promised land of America have gone through these yeah. ten stages. And yeah. again, where did you get the ten stages from? Just is that any particular scriptures no. or whatever? No, I think it was just obvious that as you looked at each one of them. You know, they all got here, and then the Lord gave them covenants, and then he gave them uh, laws, and then you watch and see what happens. It just seemed to me it was logical yeah. stages that they went through. Yeah, one, one of the things in my research that I've talked to people about is that the uh, why do they have to come to a different land? I mean, you know, and, and part of that, I think, has to do with that the Lord needs to be able to have his people establish a, a, a government, if you will, or a, or a nation of righteousness. Yeah. And sometimes you have to break away from the previous nations. And in, in the case of like Moses, they had to break away from Egypt. In the case of uh, the Jaredites, the Jaredites, or even Brigham Young, yeah, you know, had to had to come out here to Utah um, to get away from the states, basically that were at that point in time had no, you know, the the uh, the Bill of Rights was not um, being enforced yeah. on the states. The states had their own ability to even even extermination orders against their own citizenry um, and that was so that you know the Bill of Rights which says that all men will be created equal or have been created equal by or by their creator I should say <laughs> yeah, get that right <laughs> anyway and and uh, and that and they that wasn't being enforced so temples were being desecrated and prophets were being assassinated and so forth and uh, so the Lord led Brigham Young out into a this area, so they could establish this covenant, this culture of righteousness. Yeah, and that's section one thirty six, mm-hmm. Revelation of Brigham Young. There, and yeah, he explains. But the Jaredites went through the same stages. The Nephites went yeah. through the same stages. <clears throat> yeah, in fact, the Jaredites, you know, the, those king after king, and you'd go to righteous, and kind of like the Old Testament, you got a righteous king, then you got a wicked king, and then you got a righteous king and the wicked king, and finally they're all wicked, and then you finally get down to Coriantumr, which. I was interested that one of the Lamanite uh, warrior leaders of of their army was named Coriantumr, and mm-hmm. so yeah, he's that's going to be over later in Helaman. But yeah, anyway, uh, these stages are pretty. You know, you ask the question, well, where are we today? Where is America today in these stages? Yeah. And I I would guess we're at the point where we we're sending out missionaries. And we're getting different reactions to them. Let's kind of go through the stages here and kind of see where, you know, kind of, so the Lord led a group of people to the promised land of America. That's the, the, the pilgrims and the, uh, and the, uh, the Puritans and the Huguenots yeah. and all these yeah. other different people. And then God made a covenant with the inhabitants. And in, in the case of the United States, we have George Washington made a covenant with God with his right arm held to the yeah. square on the day of his inauguration. You have in the preamble of the Constitution, you have... The uh, the essence of the covenant of of God in you know um, in the in the preamble of the Constitution says you know 
we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice and toward domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, to ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. And there are all four aspects of the covenant with God. That uh, that that. So we know that the United States was put under a covenant yeah. by God, by its first rightful leader. Then you have ver- number three. Yeah, number three, now you've got to have some laws. And so uh, among the Nephites, they had the Law of Moses. I think there are 33 references to yeah. the Law of Moses in the yep. Book of Mormon. So yep. they were living that law. And then Mosiah had laws, so they called them the Laws of Mosiah. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then the Savior will come and bring the f- fullness of the gospel. So in the case of the United States, we have... The Constitution. The Constitution yeah. of the United States was established. Yeah, so we get that in the Doctrine and Covenants. Uh, mm-hmm. The Lord raised up men for that very purpose of establishing that. Okay, so then, yeah. so then let's see. The next one would be the majority of the people. Yeah. Then what do people do with? They've got the laws now. They've got they're under covenant. What what are they going to do with it? And as long as they keep the commandments, we'll keep seeing that over and over again in here. If they'll keep the commandments, they'll prosper. If they don't, then they're going to be in trouble. Yeah, you know, I've often wondered what is the, what is the average um, time span from when. A covenant nation is established to when they basically start falling apart, and it seems like, and we don't know. I mean, with 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 Adam and Eve, I mean, it was, you know, he was nine hundred and twenty-seven years old when he when he gave his final blessings to his posterity. So somewhere around a thousand years. Well, but if you look at the, uh, like for example, um, you, know, you got Enoch coming along. So there was a period. Mm-hmm. Most of these most of these civilizations have had periods of wickedness, and and then the prophets go out and and either threaten them or with danger, judgment, and that they get you know humble themselves. Our old pride cycle again. Yeah, they, yeah. they humble themselves. But from I think it's, it's just interesting when Christ came and he established again his his covenant with. The Nephites. Yeah, it was about two hundred years before they started to fall into yeah. iniquity again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. one hundred sixty, one hundred seventy years anyway. But uh, yeah, and sometimes it happens really quick. It happens just in a matter of four years or, or yeah. three years that they can go, go from through the pride cycle, being humble to <laughs> quickly, you know, to being yeah, uh, being wicked. All right, so then the, then the Lord sends out his prophets and his missionaries to war. Yeah, so, you know, you get Alma resigning to go out and preach, and you get uh, uh, a number of the prophets who gave up the judge judgment seat to go out. and mm-hmm. So we're going to get that later on in Helaman with Nephi, the Nephi and Lehi, the sons of uh, Helaman. So the Lord has to have missionaries, has to have prophets go out and call the people to repentance. And sometimes that works, and sometimes they get thrown in prison. <laughs> they get thrown in jail. <laughs> That's right. It doesn't work but the so Lord well. always protects his prophets. And uh, so eventually we, you know, we end up we end up later in the Book of Mormon where the Lamanites are more righteous than the Nephites, yeah. which is a real turnaround in terms of yep. concern. If the people reject what the prophets have to say, then th- there's going to be some judgments coming, and so you mentioned natural calamities and so forth, and that's yeah. Um, well, you know, especially when you get over closer to Third Nephi, um, or even in Third Nephi nine, where you get all the judgments before the Savior comes. Um, you know, which I think is interesting because today we're going through climate change, kind of. You know, people are really into climate change around the world. Mm-hmm. And yet we read in Doctrine and Covenants that, uh, you know, depending on the righteousness of the people, <laughs> and they, after your testimony cometh the yeah. earthquakes and the seas heaving themselves beyond the, the shores. It's been, ha- it's been happening in every... And in every dispensation, so basically. I, I don't yeah. know. There may be some people that listen to this or see this that are climate change people. But if I feel like if you haven't, if you're in the climate change that that's man caused, you haven't been in an airplane and flown over all the water, you know, where, <laughs> where where the water, the air gets cleansed, and so, so it's yeah. the Book of Mormon and the Scriptures say it's a, it's a righteousness issue. If uh, you know you can fast and pray to try to change the weather and where it really... I, I notice that that's... Uh, in Rome now, they're asking the... They're asking the saints in Italy now to fast to, mm-hmm. to get rid of this thing because Italy shut down. You can't go in or out of that yeah. country. 
Well, that, that's anyway. The, 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 of these four civilizations, just talking about that, um, Adam and Eve, the natural cause that that, that ended the Adam and Eve um, era, was Noah's flood. The flood. Yeah. In the Jaredite era, basically, uh, we don't know that there was any any uh, natural calamities that specifically that was going on there. I mean, it doesn't tell us too much about that. But it does. Uh, but but they did basically fall upon each other and and kill each other all the way down to Shiz. you know to one guy Shiz and Cor- well two guys Shiz and Coriantumer, yeah. and then um, it, but when it comes down to the the, the Lehites and the Mulekites, um, interestingly enough, we have the uh, the calamities that happened around the time of Christ, which which discuss you know twenty eight observed um, natural you know, disaster kind of yeah. things that, that happen. I mean, it talks about, you know, the, uh, it talks about earthquakes and whirlwinds and, uh, and cities being sunk in the depths of the yeah. sea and other being burned with fire and, and other ones there were, you know, there, um, hills in place of, you know, hills and mountains in places of valleys and so forth. The, the highways were broken up. All these are pretty major natural disasters. And by the way, uh, if you want to get more information about that, uh, in the annotated book of Mormon, there's a whole section on the new Madrid, a seismic zone oh. that fits every single aspect of all 28 of those observations of the Book of Mormon uh, that actually happened in 1811 and 1812. People wrote those things down, and then they actually um, um, observed these same exact things happening, even down to the three days of darkness yeah. that happened in 1811 and 1812, according to the people who were there. So, so in America... Um, one of the easiest ways for the Lord to cause this to happen would be to have a massive event on the New Madrid Seismic Zone. If you don't know about the New Madrid Seismic information, you need to, uh, I've got it in, in uh, my DVD set, um, uh, Book of Mormon Evidence Number 2, and also in um, several of our books, and we've made mention of it many times in presentations. But uh, it's, it's, it's interesting that every time that Christ comes to America, it seems like um, it's pre. It's in in advance of that. That's uh, you have a, an event on the New Madrid seismic zone, and so for example, when Christ comes to Nephites, there was a huge event that happened. We actually have the the um, uh, the geological evidence that a, a similar event did in fact happen right around the time of Christ, and then we have eighteen eleven, eighteen twelve was just a, just a few years before Christ came again to America to a boy prophet by the name of Joseph Smith in the, in, in the sacred grove. And I think it would be a very high probability that if, 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 this, if America is the promised land and if God wanted to get our attention really quickly or actually um, pretty much put our nation into a complete tailspin, it could happen in literally a New York minute uh, if if I have another massive event on the new Madrid seismic zone, which by the way is very active, even uh, even this week, yeah. there's been um, small earthquakes <clears throat> on the new Madrid seismic zone. So, so that's that, so what you're talking about here with natural elements and weather issues is exactly right. Yeah. So, what's the next then? Well, let me let me jump back yeah. to uh, <clears throat> the very first you because we brought up Adam down to Noah. Mm-hmm. This is in Moses chapter eight. And uh, very interesting scriptures. I guess I can't read them all, but I'll pick it up in verse uh, 22, chapter 8. God saw that the wickedness of men had become great in the earth, and every man— now what percent would that be? 100%. (laughs) Every man was lifted up in the imagination of the thoughts of his heart, being only evil continually. How often would that be? So you've got every man evil— all the time, no wonder you're going to end up destroying the earth. Now you say, well, I'm glad that I didn't live in those days. Then you go over to uh, Matthew, Joseph Smith and Matthew, and uh, then you get this scripture that's a little scary. Um, in verse, uh, now I'm in verse 41. But as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be also at the coming of the Son of Man. Well, wait a minute. When is that going to be? Is that in the future? That's in the future. And what was it in the days of Noah? Every man was evil continually. 
So you have to ask yourself, well, wait a minute, what is there in our society, in our Mm -hmm. civilization that could make every man evil continually? And I noticed, for example, that the state of Utah now is going to find people on pornography. If they don't put a, a warning label on pornography, they're going to be fined pretty heavily. Pornography has gotten to be ubiquitous. I mean, with smartphones and with the kind of technology they've got, I mean, pornography is rampant. And I read the I read the papers every day, either Deseret News or the local paper here. And every day there's somebody that's molesting a child or molesting somebody or attempted rape. And I saw this week it said that Utah was number 11 in the states as far as the number of rapes per, per capita. Wow. Well, rape could only come from pornography. I mean, you couldn't. There's it just it seems to me anyway. So uh, pornography certainly one exacerbated one, by one issue that yeah. that could cause every man to be evil and. That's uh, that's a little scary because it has to do with our day. Yeah, I've I've, I've heard statistics that even within the church that the that the the vast majority of men in the church are, are have some issues with pornography. Well, I don't suppose it's just in the church. I think I don't think you can well, probably live. much worse. I would yeah, I don't think you can live outside. without running into it either in movies yeah. or television or programs. Uh, yeah. uh, it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere, and so. Yeah. Anyway, at least that's one item that I think. But here, here you see why there had to be a flood because every man was evil continually. And uh, well, I think it's interesting also, though, that the Lord actually kind of gives us a definition of what the, what evil is or what it necessitates evil, because when it when it comes down to this covenant with like the American covenant, um, the the one thing that the nation has to do in order to receive all the blessings of the covenant, which are four, basically you have the land, posterity, prosperity, and security, those four things. And uh, when the people become sufficiently wicked, then God has to basically withdraw those blessings, and he always does it in reverse order. So the first thing is to withdraw the blessings of, 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 of the uh, security. Mm-hmm. And then prosperity removes their 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 ability to, you know, to make money <laughs> kind of thing or to have or prosper on the land. If that doesn't humble them and return them back to God, then he has to go to phase three, which is basically to uh, take away their posterity, which usually means war and people die. And if they still will not humble themselves and return back to God after even that, then there's no other hope for them besides being take, swept off the land. But he does give us the, the key. There's only one thing the nation has to do. But that one thing is divided into 10 sub-things. Yeah. <laughs> well, <clears throat> you know, if we brought it right down to today, we're dealing with this uh, coronavirus, virus, mm-hmm. and uh, it's now into 114 countries, and uh, 4,000 people have died, and so forth. And so you have to say, is this, is this one of the plagues? Is this a pestilence that Section 87 talks about? Uh, what exactly... How come we're experiencing this? Could this and, be one of the woes? That be, and we don't know discussed? because the prophets haven't said. Now, years ago, there were four hurricanes that hit Florida in a fairly brief period of time. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. President Hinckley in conference said, these hurricanes are not part of the judgments of the Lord on the land. I was really interested in that because of what the Book of Mormon has to say. Mm-hmm. But now we've moved a little further in our ripening and iniquity process, and it may be now that we're starting to see some, because it's affecting economically. We're not prospering, and people are not opening their yeah. stores. I mean, it's, and the stock market has fallen on its nose. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to affect businesses. So who knows where and retirements? <laughs> who knows? Where, <laughs> who knows where this thing is going? Well, it's interesting in the Book of Mormon they talked about how their riches would become slippery and no man could hold yeah. on to their riches. Um, people who had their stock market money, money yeah. in the stock market in two thousand and eight realized pretty quickly yeah. that that money can just disappear out of your accounts. Um, yeah, I and had, where did it go? I had it disappear the other day. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But, that, but, but basically, what I was alluding to before is that uh, really when it comes down to it, a nation is not held at the same uh, level as, a, as, as people are individuals. And, uh, and I say that because as far as we know, there isn't going to be nations, individual nations on the other side of the veil. Christ will reign as, as king of king and lord of lords. 
and that's not going to be you know a, a Congress and a Senate and the, you know and so and so forth. So, or basically a Senate and a House and and so forth. So the um, so judgments on people happen only at the judgment. So even and I've actually joked with people before in, in presentations and said you know so do we as a church believe in deathbed repentance? And the vast majority of members of the church will say, well, no, no, we don't believe in deathbed repentance. So that's true. We actually believe in after-death repentance because yeah. <laughs> we can repent all the way up until the judgment. It's just harder on the other side as we understand it. But nations, on the other hand, when they become sufficiently um, wicked, the judgments of God can't wait till a final judgment because there is going to be no no nations on the other side of the veil. So judgment on nations happen in the here and now. When a nation reaches its fulcrum, if you will, if, when it reaches its fullness of, um, of iniquity, then the judgments of God have to happen on that nation. Well, the best thing to do is to keep our covenants. Yeah, and the commandments is what, is what you actually tell us. Is specifically. In fact, here in Mosiah chapter 1, um, this is in verse 3, as he also taught them concerning the records which were engraven on the plates of brass, saying, My sons, I would that you should remember that these that were it not for these plates which contain these records and these commandments. So the plates he's talking about here are the brass plates. Yeah, yeah. And what was in the brass plates? The five books of Moses. What's in the five books of Moses? The Ten Commandments. He says, We must have suffered in ignorance even at this present time, not knowing the mysteries of God. Um, and in, 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 in just this chapter... The commandments are, are are talked about one, two, three, four, five, at least five times in just chapter one that these commandments have to be observed yeah. by the nation and the covenant people or else they're not going to prosper on the land. You know, we've been living on this promised land now for quite a while, and we're now seeing the in the Book of Mormon, we're now seeing the wisdom of Lehi sending the boys back to Jerusalem to get the brass plates. And so now King Benjamin is going to say, if we didn't have those brass plates, if we didn't have that record, we'd be we'd like be the trouble. Mulekites. We'd, we'd, we wouldn't know anything. And yeah. so this is a great sermon on the value of scriptures here and why uh, as a church, as members of the church, we need to make sure we're familiar with the scriptures because, you know, we're here we've just gone through Isaiah in the Book of Mormon, and I think most members of the church probably skipped that, just went... You know, you know how many you know, you know. In the past, we've read the Book of Mormon up to Isaiah and said, "No, I don't get this." So we put it back on the shelf. A few years later, we blow the dust off and read again and get up to Isaiah. But now we understand, and we've just talked about that in in one of the uh, sessions here, mm-hmm. that Nephi spends uh, eight chapters explaining what Nephi said. So then you can go back and look what at what Isaiah said. What Isaiah yeah, said, yeah. 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 Uh, so he interprets Isaiah for our day, and then you can go back if you want and study Isaiah. And oh yeah, I remember well, I, Nephi was so. <laughs> and you know, it's one yeah, of the great. It's one of the great proofs of the Book of Mormon that Joseph Smith even dealt with Isaiah. I mean, who today even cares about Isaiah? I've been talking about the Christian world. They're they're sort of left the Old Testament. They're just in the New Testament basically, except for some of the stories, but. Yeah. Uh, here, here you have uh, a great, a great example of the value of scriptures and how we've got to know what the scriptures say and what the living prophets say. Exactly. So. Exactly. Or we could be going down this same uh, this yeah. same road. Yeah. And I think that uh, we are. I mean, you know, basically now there's 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 just one or two other uh, things here. We talked about the spirit withdraws from the people as wickedness prevails, and then number nine. Number nine, uh, the wicked either cast out the righteous, like we had to leave Nauvoo. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and as you said a little earlier, we had to leave the United States. We came out into Mexican territory, and yep. uh, and the Lord explained that to Brigham Young in section one thirty six. But but so the Lord has to either leave lead you to another place, or He destroys the like the flood. He destroys the wicked and. Noah's on the sh- on the boat with his family. <laughs> you better make sure you're on the boat. Right? <clears throat> and then finally, and don't, you, you don't, have don't a, forget to get on the boat. Fin- finally, you have a civil war, or the or the Lord leads the righteous away to the new land. So you know the the great war we had was a civil war. We we killed more people in the civil war than any other war we've had. 
as a as a nation and uh, horrible, uh, and and not only yeah. from combat, from disease and from you know the injuries yeah. that took place there. So anyway, th- anyway, those are the ten stages, and we see that carried out. Now we're studying how it happens among the the Nephites. And uh, and the Lamanites, the Lord said early in the Book of Mormon, if the Nephites ever get wicked, the Lamanites are going to scourge them. They're going to call them to repentance. And they sure that, did. that's the whole story of the Book of Mormon. Yeah, it really is. So as far as how that relates to America then today, um, I mean, you already kind of mentioned this, but uh, what stage do you think we're in? I mean, where, well, where are we at <laughs> in America? I'm guessing that... Um, in different countries, people are reject, rejecting the message. I mean, I'm, the United States is not the great baptizing. Europe is having trouble baptizing. Scandinavia is having trouble. And so... Yeah. Although, although I will have to say that the United States still baptizes more people, more, more new converts each year than, ever, than, than the next two leading nations combined. Well, um, yeah, as, far, I, as far as just convert baptisms yeah, are concerned. I... I yeah. Um, yeah, that's an interesting. We're anyway. We're yeah. we're struggling with it, and of course, yeah. the major the major conversions. Gosh, do you know Brazil? It's got thirty six missions. I mean, they, they Mexico. Mm-hmm. So the Gentiles won't accept the gospel. The Lord's going to take it to somebody who will. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, um, so I I I would think that right now we're probably somewhere about the the time when the wicked are going to cast out the righteous. And well, the, I think the persecution I think is about to start to happen. Yeah, I think on the members of the I church. I think here. so. You know, here we are, Russia. You can't you can't proselyte. You uh, you have to go to the church to do it, and we're getting more political mm-hmm. shutdowns around the world. Twelve are out trying to open those nations up and, and get the gospel to those to the world. But and I'll tell you what I love. I, I have to love this. <clears throat> you know, Joseph Smith said one night to a group of priesthood holders that you, you brethren don't don't realize any more than a babe on his mother's lap, <laughs> this gospel yet filled the world and so forth. And so I when you read the church news, most most Saturdays when it comes in the back, they will show the new stake presidents around the world. Mm-hmm. Oh my yeah. gosh, we've got stakes in Saudi Arabia. We got stakes in <laughs> all over the world, yeah. and you realize that that's one of the great prophecies yeah. being fulfilled is that we do have members. But like Nephi said earlier, we don't have huge numbers, but at least we've got right. members. You know, every nearly every nation that will let us in, except for the Middle East. Yeah. So uh, we're living in a great day of fulfillment of prophecy. Yeah, I just I just have a hard time thinking how 16 million members is probably uh, that, that 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 God is thinking that that's okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's that, that's such a tiny. It's not even one percent of, of all of His children here on the earth. Yeah. But it's those who will listen to the message and uh, and 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 follow it. It's probably more than they've ever had. I don't know that they have ever had yeah. that many in any, in any dispensation. dispensation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, okay, so, yeah, so <clears throat> King Benjamin then is going to call the big conference. We're going <laughs> to, yep. he's, getting, he's getting old, and so we need to get somebody to take his place. So this becomes a great sermon over these next few chapters oh, yes. about uh, Beautiful. Calling, calling his people together, and, and they're getting together in families and so forth. But anyway, probably one of the major themes, again, is the one we've been talking about, I'm in Mosiah 1, verse 7, and now my sons, I would that you should remember to search these scriptures diligently that you may profit thereby, and I would that you should keep the commandments of God, which we've been talking about, that you may prosper in the land according to the promises which the Lord made unto our fathers. If we went back and searched that, that was said to, by Nephi, by Jerem, by Omni, by, by all of these earlier prophets, that's a major theme is that you have to keep the commandments of God if you expect to prosper. Yeah, in fact, I think uh, you pointed this out to me just before we started this, uh, and that is in Second uh, Nephi chapter 1. Again, here, and this is on page uh, 51 in the Annotated Book of Mormon. Uh, this is, uh, again, chapter 1, verse 20. It says, Inasmuch as ye shall keep my commandments, ye shall prosper in the land. But inasmuch as ye will not keep my commandments, ye shall be cut off from my yeah. presence. And it, boy, is that emphasized today, you know, President Nelson, the covenant path. And, mm-hmm. and, and if you're on the covenant path, that means you're keeping the commandments. And so, That's right. Really, and again, it's as a nation, 
uh, and, you know, as a nation, everybody doesn't have to be temple recommend holders or full tithing payers or whatever. As a nation, they just need to keep the, the minimum standard, which is the Ten Commandments. You know, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not you know, com, you know, commit adultery and, and steal and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So when you, when you, I think it's interesting that the Ten Commandments have been actually under attack here in America for about the last 10 years with uh, many state houses and even federal buildings and so forth uh, having the Ten Commandments removed from the premises, which if you were Satan and you wanted to destroy a promised land, wouldn't that be one of the first things you'd want to do is take away the one thing that people need to know in order to receive the blessings of this covenant? Yeah, you know, it's really frustrating sometimes. For example, this issue of of, uh, abortion. Mm-hmm. which uh, Elder Bednar uh, recently discussed. But abortion, can you imagine killing? And now, now with our technology, and, and we can see babies survive, you know, birth at 30 weeks, uh, yeah. maybe 20, 27, 28 27, weeks. 8 yeah. weeks and, uh, and they survive, and yet, and, yet people, and yet they had these big protests the other day in front of the Supreme Court, and you got one of the Democrat or Democratic senators, senators threatening yeah. two of well, the, the of the, the Supreme Court. So, yes, yeah, uh, oh, no, he's a Senate Minority Leader. Thre- threatening, Chuck Schumer. The, yeah, threatening the Supreme Court justices if they were to go against abortion. And how you can justify killing a, a baby? Uh, well, it's interesting. If you kill an I mean, eagle, you're in trouble. If you kill a, <laughs> yeah. you kill a baby, you kill a baby. Um, the interesting thing about that is, though. And it has to do with the posterity clause of the covenant. Because uh, when the people become sufficiently wicked, then basically God says, you know, that, that he's going to take away their posterity. Well, back in 2015, the Supreme Court ruled uh, that same-sex marriages are now legalized in all 50 states, which will definitely affect the posterity yeah. of the United States. But at the same time, the Congress also refunded Planned Parenthood, which will result, I, I think their estimate is over 30 million children. You mentioned about how many people were killed in the Civil War. The number of children who have been killed are more than the Civil War. Yeah, they're up to 60, more than, 60 million abortions. More than every other every war the United States has ever fought, we have killed our own yeah. inheritance. And that's through abortion. But who else did that? What did the priests of Baal or Baal yeah. of, of the Israelites, what did they offer as sacrifices? They had their people bring forth their children and offer their children on the altar of Baal or Baal. And the same thing is basically kind of going on symbolically here in the United States where we are offering up our children the altar of more ease in life or, well, we're not ready to have children or, well, we just don't want to have this kid or whatever. We want to to have all of the, uh, you know, the, the, the sexual gratification without yeah. having any of the responsibility. Yeah, you know, nobody ever talks about immorality. It's yeah. all it's all about what she found she was found out she was pregnant. Uh, she, how, how did that happen? Drinking the water. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, so this this is talking about those these, these <coughs> the commandments that thou shalt not kill is one of those commandments and I can't imagine a worse sin than killing an innocent yeah, child. I, I can't even. Let me give you a quote by President Benson. Uh, the United States becomes the Lord's base of operations in these latter days, and this base, the land of America, will not be shifted out of its place, thank goodness. This nation will, in a measure, at least fulfill its mission, even though it may face serious and troublesome days. Now listen to this. God will not be mocked. He will not permit the sins of sexual immorality, secret murderous combinations, the killing of the unborn and disregard for all his holy commandments and the messages of his servants to go unheeded without grievous punishment for such wickedness. The nations of the world cannot endure in sin. The way of escape is clear. And so he goes on with uh, sin demands punishment. So we're living in some days where surely it's offensive to the Lord to have these, this abortion issue. And, how they can ju- and now we've got, even in Virginia now, we've got it if the baby is born alive, uh, the mother can still decide if she wants to kill it or not. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And that makes it fat. She and the doctor will, will discuss yeah. as the baby's yeah. lying there, yeah. maybe crying or whatever. Um, so, yeah. Oh, God. I just can't even imagine. I just It's just beyond the pale. 
Although it's still not quite as bad as it discusses in the end of Helam, you know, with the, about the uh, what was going on with the Nephites and the Lamanites. They were still they were they were even more depraved at that point in time before their destruction. But uh, you know, it's interesting. The United States has uh, has become the greatest purveyor of pornography mm-hmm. in the world, um, and uh, so instead of instead of uh, the United States being the greatest exporter of Christianity and goodness and 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 helping you know the world's populations and so forth. Um, we still do a lot of that, but there's also the, the dark side of it as well. Yeah. You know, last time I was in Israel, I asked one of the Jewish guides. I said, "Tell me about the divorce rate. Has the divorce rate increased in Israel?" And he said, "Oh yeah." And I said, "Well, what what do you attribute that to?" He said, "American movies." <laughs> that was his, that was his answer. <laughs> yeah. And now you think about it. Well, the film industry is just you completely think about ripe it, with. You never the, have in any movie. You never have married couples sleeping together. They never not anymore. Show that. It's yeah. always uh, single people that are in bed. You know, having being intimate together. And as a and as, as a marriage counselor, and 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 having written how many books? The thirteen uh, books on fifteen, anyway. 15 books on, uh, on on marriage and yeah. and that kind of stuff. That's that's especially poignant for you. Oh gosh, it's uh, you know, divorce is one of those great scourges. President Kimball called it, or President Hinckley called it, great scourge. But we have lots of people getting divorced, and we're so used to it now that. People kind of say, oh, well, okay. But it's very serious in terms of gospel principles and mm-hmm. what temple marriage is all about. And So interesting. I have several friends who have gone through divorce in, in, in the last several years. And, and, it's, you know, and it's interesting because one or the other spouse thinks that the divorce is going to, you know, that it just, I just can't deal with this, you know, and so forth. And, and life is hard. And so divorcing my spouse will be, yeah. you know, Will make things better, freedom, and without, without a single exception that I'm aware of, um, the divorces have ended up making life just oh, just a hundred times worse because now all of a sudden you have somebody who was supportive and so forth, and and the way that the laws are set up and everything, it just has a tendency to uh, to to cause the two spouses even even when they begin as amicable within a year or two of, of suing each other over child custody and this and that and the other thing and who gets what and so forth, it it just turns into a, just a complete miserable mess, much, much worse than it was yeah. prior to the divorce. Well, I've interviewed a lot of people that got a divorce, and they said, you know what? If we had it to do over again, I think we would have tried harder. I think we could have made it work, but we just got finally to the point where we just... Uh, Thought we needed to get separated, but uh, but you know you you ne- divorce never ends, really. I it mean, doesn't. you've got kids that are going to get married, and do you invite the ex? And you know, it got, complicates life in every. You got to get their teeth fixed. Who's going to pay for that? It's uh, it's a complicated thing. All right, so so going back here, so uh, I, I want to just mention here on page one forty two in the Annotated Book of Mormon. In uh, in chapter two and verse five, it says it came to pass that when they came that uh, they came up to the temple, they pitched their tents round about. Mm-hmm. Now, pitching their tents round about that doesn't sound like that would tell you very much, but it tells you a couple of things. Number one, every man had a family tent, yeah. <laughs> okay, and they pitched their tents round about the temple, which is interesting because it also in uh, in in verse three. Of chapter two, it says, and they also took of their firstlings of their flocks that they might offer sacrifice and burnt offerings according to the law of Moses. Yeah. So uh, the, the the offerings basically um, of this typically is at Passover, and then uh, and then also a part of the laws of Moses that they're talking about here. And you mentioned thirty three times, I think it is in the yeah. book of Mormon, they talk about specifically living the laws of Moses. But actually, Amberly Nelson has found that there's 45 different ones where they're referencing not only that they were doing it, but it shows them in the practice of doing it. Okay, in, in other words, in, in the in the in the actual um, you know throes of actually observing the laws of Moses. But here in in in, uh, in verse or excuse me, page 142 in the Annotated Book of Mormon talks about how they pitched their tents around about the temple, um, and if you take a look at how. The original tabernacle was set up. You had the tabernacle was in the center, and you had each of the tribes around. Yeah. Each, each had their own section around the temple. So he's kind of setting this up. Sounds like sort of like that. 
But this is also reminiscent of the Feast of, uh, of, of Tabernacles or right. Sukkot, yeah. which is, again, a, a, a Hebrew or a Jewish, um, uh, you know, these, these, these are yeah. these, the sacred convocations that happen seven times throughout the year. It includes you know, Passover, Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of Trumpets, and, and others, some in the spring, some in the fall. Um, but they all lead to and point towards Christ and his life, and that's what it was. They, these were, these were um, uh, rehearsals, as I think Amberly Nelson talks about. These are, these are rehearsals for each different um, time frame of Christ's life. And it's just really fascinating that the Feast of Tabernacles in ancient Israel and the Nephites, that they were, that they were observing, it sounds like they were observing this, which would also be a time of coronation, which is the changing from one king to another king, the passing down of the, of the kingship, um, which also we know that he did. Yeah. Well, this uh, this chapter two, I call it a general conference. You know, he's, you're, you're calling <laughs> yeah. all the saints together, and, and if there's too well, many that. of them, he's going to have them write down what what he had to say, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and so this is a great sermon. Uh, this, By the way, he built a tower too. Right. Right. And, and yeah. interesting that he, they, it sounds like they built the tower like in a day or so. I mean, it wasn't like a tower that would take like a pyramid or something. <laughs> you know, yeah. The one that's in take, the Book of Mormon video looks like they could have built that fairly quickly. Exactly. Exactly. Which is how it should, it should look. I mean, that's how it should be. They, you know, they built this tower pretty quickly and it was probably made out of wood. But, you know, his sermon is so great because he's saying, you know, I haven't taxed you. I've worked with my own hands. Mm-hmm. I've not taken advantage of you. Boy, would that be a great for politicians <laughs> to read this. How would it be to live under a, 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 a government system where all of the politicians basically had to work for their own living? Well, or, or if there I mean, was a... Uh, term limits so that they, you know, they they could only stay there for two terms, and they have to go back and live in, and we replaced them with some other people. Anyway, he gives such a great sermon here, and he says, interesting statement. I, I don't want my blood to come upon because of the could be. I don't want your blood to come on my garments. Yeah, on my garments. Now, you know what? That's an interesting thing because in section 112, that same statement is made to the first presidency in the 12. So here's what the Lord says to the first presidency in the 12. Which power you hold in connection with all those who have received a dispensation at any time from the beginning of the creation. So they've got those keys. For verily I say unto you, the keys of the dispensation which you have received have come down from the fathers, and last of all, being sent down from heaven unto you. Verily I say unto you, behold, how great is your calling. Cleanse your hearts and your garments, lest the blood of this generation be required at your hands. So who speaks at every general conference? Every member of the twelve. <laughs> and every member of the first presidency twice, because they're trying to make sure that they're cleansing their garments of our they're reading their blood there's the sin so you know every every member of the 12 gets a little more time than the 70 <laughs> yeah so. yeah which you kind of kind of expect that and so forth so um i, I love the fact that he talks about being in the service of your fellow beings oh, when you're in great, service of your fellow sermon. beings you're only in the service of your god so service of 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 really anyone it sounds like to me can be counted as um service towards your maker and especially now with the ministering concept in the church you know or we're not doing the duty of the home teacher visiting teacher anymore we're we're trying to get inspiration about how to bless our neighbors and how to bless everybody you don't have to be assigned to people you can Mm -hmm. reach out that's a great step forward if 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 and i don't know how we're doing in that i don't know whether people (laughs) say good i don't have to home teach anymore (laughs) i don't have to visit teach anymore or whether or not actually it's an if we're really, opportunity to even yeah, do more. Yeah, my wife, be better. my wife, for example, anybody in our ward who has a birthday, she takes a Costco muffin, wraps a saran wrap around it with a candle in it, and delivers it to their home early in the morning. So she she's the muffin lady. She <laughs> she covers the whole ward in a year, and uh-huh. uh, and so uh-huh. she knows she knows people in our ward. I say, well, honey, who's this here? And oh, she says, oh, well, they live in that house, and. 
she knows the ward really well because. And you remember the the last person that lived in that house that sees <laughs> two generations ago, <laughs> not generations, but two it's, two moves ago or whatever. You know, yeah. that's how I find myself in my where I go there and I I hardly recognize anybody because we have uh, condos yeah. and uh, so we get a lot of uh, moving and out. Yeah. Um, that last couple things here, and then we need to close up. But uh, this is in. Uh, Verse 22, and again, the Lord, this is from um, oh, yeah. uh, Mosiah chapter 2, verse 22, and this is where the Lord is actually, again, reiterating the single requirement for a covenant people living on the promised land to receive all the blessings of the covenant. He says, and behold, all that he requires of you is to keep his commandments. And he has promised you that if you would keep his commandments, you should prosper in the land. And he doth never vary from that which he hath said. Therefore, if he do keep his commandments, he doth bless you and prosper you. And um, yeah, and he says in, in, in verse twenty four, he says he doth immediately bless you. But the the, uh, the 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 contrast to that basically is what happens when people do not obey the covenant. Then they're not going to prosper on the land. Does that mean that God's going to come down? Every every natural disaster that happens is a direct correlation because God is making that happen to them. And I think that actually, what it is, and, and this is the way I kind of view it here, is that God causes natural disasters maybe not to happen as He's blessing them. But when the people reject God and He has to basically withhold his stopping those things yeah. then those things go ahead and happen naturally and it, and it and it looks like it's a curse from god but actually what it is is it's basically god withdrawing the blessings yeah. that he was giving them because they rejected him he cannot continue to give them blessings good, good when they're rejecting him good point well i think we move to mosiah chapter three <clears throat> and king benjamin says an angel told me what to say, and so he gives the mission of the Savior. He uh, goes through, really, the life of Christ, and, uh, you know, this is this is 124 B. This is B.C. This is for the, long before the Savior comes, and he explains how he's going to cast out devils, and he's going to, uh, he's he personally going to suffer temptations and pains and hunger and thirst. Tells us his name, even. And so, um, yeah, because his name in verse 8, and uh, so they knew about Christ. So even though they're living the law of Moses, they know about Christ, and they, you know, he calls them the children of Christ. That's the name that he's giving them. And so um, the rest of the Book of Mormon, we're not, even though they're keeping the law of Moses, they're, they're always talking about Christ, and that's why that's, we put on the cover here another testament of Jesus Christ. That's right. Because early, early, early on, we're that's right. In fact, that's the reason why we decided that uh, as the cover art of the annotated Book of Mormon, we would put uh, a picture of Christ holding a, a lamb, because again, throughout the Book of Mormon, at least up until Christ comes, they're living the laws of Moses. The law of Moses requires the sacrifice of lambs and other other clean animals yeah. to be able to to do that. And also the, uh, the 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 Nephites were some of the other sheep, you know, that yeah. Christ talked of in his in his in his uh, mortal ministry. Um, there is one other one other part here that I wanted to uh, um, uh, in, on page one forty six in the Annotated Book of Mormon it says all that he requires of you is to keep his commandments. And there's then there's some interesting pictures because one of the ways that Jews uh, realize or or you know the um, they recognize the uh, the keeping of the commandments. The 613 laws. Yeah, the 613 laws and so forth. But also, you know, the law of Moses is through the through what they call the, uh, it's their prayer shawl. Yeah, yeah, the okay. shawl. I think it's called a talit, if I remember correctly. Yeah. But anyway, and each and at the bottom of each one of these prayer shawls, there's a fringe. Right. And, uh, and this is what the Lord said that in Numbers chapter 15, verses 37 to 41. It says, uh, speaking to the children of Israel, uh, I speak unto the children of Israel and bid them that they might that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations, that they might put upon the fringe of the borders a, a ribbon of blue, and it shall be unto you for a fringe that ye may look at it, look upon it, and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them, and that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes after which ye uh, which ye used to go a whoring that ye may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. 
I am the Lord your God. That's again from Numbers chapter 15. So they're supposed to have this fringe on their garments. One of the things that's fascinating about Native American garb, Native American cultural, uh, the things that they wear, okay, almost all of it has fringes. They have fringes on their garment. And and you'll actually see in the Annotated Book of Mormon several examples of Native American uh, in their in their their traditional dress, basically, and all of it has fringes. Yeah, which is an interesting is. potential throwback to the uh, to the law of Moses and the uh, and the Israelite heritage that they share. Yeah, you know, one of the <clears throat> when you look at chapter three here, the and you look at what verses have we really stressed a lot. You have to come to verse nineteen. For the natural man is an enemy to God and has been from the fall of Adam and will be forever and ever unless he yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit, putteth off the natural man and becometh a saint through the atonement of Christ the Lord and becometh as a child, submissive, meek, humble, patient, full of love, willing to submit to all things which the Lord seeth fit to inflict. So we quote that verse, you know, a lot about the natural man and uh, I, I that's um, An interesting thing about that that is is that um, who was it that actually said that was it Mosiah, was it Mormon? Actually, it was an angel. It was, yeah, I think, <laughs> I think it's part of the angels. It's the part of the angel, and, and and one of the ways you can actually tell that pretty easily in the annotated Book of Mormon is that in uh, in verse two it says, "And the things which I shall tell you are made known unto me by an angel from God." And he said unto me, "Awake." So that's in blue in the Annotated Book of Mormon. When angels are speaking, it's in blue text. Mm. So you can see immediately, it says, And I awoke, and behold, he stood before me, and he said unto me, and then the rest of this right. is actually in quotes, and <clears> it's <throat> okay. all in blue, which tells you that the entire part here was something that the that the angel gave, except for the last couple of verses, which okay. are in red, which is what it says, And thus saith the Lord, and then the Lord speaks at the very end. So it's really just fascinating. So, so that by the way, that, that what what you just read, um, actually is that's that's por- a portion of a chiastic structure as well, and the chiasm starts with um, they, except they, this is from uh, verse eighteen, it says for behold he judgeth and his judgment is just and the infant perisheth not that dieth in his infancy, but men drink damnation to their own souls except they humble themselves so that's a, and become as little children that's b. And believe that set, that salvation was and is and, and and is to come in and through the atoning blood of Christ, the Lord Omnipotent. That's C. For the natural man is D, is an enemy to God. E, and has been from the fall of Adam. That's F. And now now the chiastic structure starts again. It starts going the other direction, and it will be forever and ever. So that that corresponds with has been has been from the fall of Adam. So that's basically from forever and ever, unless he yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit which is E, and that corresponds with, uh, it is an enemy to God, okay, basically, and putteth off the natural man, that's D, in verse, beginning in verse 19, says, for the natural man, okay, and becometh as a saint through the atonement of Christ the Lord, that's C, which corresponds with the atoning blood of the Lord omnipotent, and then as becometh as a little child, which is B, and that corresponds with as, as become as, and become as little children, and then, Submissive, meek, humble, and the very very beginning of the chiasm it says, except they humble themselves. Yeah. So now, it's read, just fascinating. Read verse twenty-three. So verse twenty-three, <clears throat> and now I have spoken the words which the Lord God hath commanded yeah, me. Yeah, so so King Benjamin is simply giving this sermon that's mm-hmm. been given to him by an angel. Yeah. And he's covered some really important things. Yeah, and and, and it also says, And thus saith the Lord, and then in verse twenty-four. Yeah. We have this in red because now this is right. the Lord, and thus saith the Lord. So the maybe the angel told him what the Lord was going, what, what the Lord said, but that part says that they shall stand as a bright testimony against this people. I find that really fascinating. Against this people, meaning the culture, it's the nation. Yeah, um, it's not individuals here. They're talking about a covenant nation and a covenant people. At the judgment day, wherefore they shall be judged every man according to his works, whether they be good or whether they be evil. And if they be evil, they are consigned to an awful view of their guilt and abominations and so forth. So there we go. So that's... Okay, well, he's not going to quit there. He's going to keep going. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. 
And then he's going to want to ask how they felt about what he had to say. So there's really some, these, these, this whole sermon by King Benjamin and the reaction of the people is, uh, is the kind of reaction we should have yes. at General Conference. Yeah. You know, we've listened to the prophets now. All right, let's go do it. Uh, this is this is the name by which we're called. This is the name we've retaken upon ourselves, and uh, let's be Latter Day Saints. That's right. Let's be members of the Church of Jesus Christ. Right. And uh, and do that and be and be. And I, I love uh, how President Nelson has actually uh, asked everybody to uh, to to not refer to ourselves as Mormons or whatever, but to use the the, the name of the church. And that actually goes back to in 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 Mormon in the end of the Book of Mormon. Um, he talks about um, you know, that they were that they were in the latter days they would be ashamed to take upon them the name of Christ, and President Nelson is not ashamed. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, Doug, thank you so much for yeah, dropping in good. and uh, and uh, letting us have this uh, this interview. We're, we're grateful for that. By the way, if you'd like to see um, more or learn more about this, the book is called America in Peril: Ten Stages in the Destruction of a Promised Land. Um, also, uh, you can go to the streaming uh, Book of Mormon Evidence streaming website, and there we have uh, Doug has actually spoken at uh, several of our conferences and and uh, been recorded and are up there, so you can see his full presentations there. Um, we encourage you also to go to Book of Mormon Evidence org, which is where the, kind of the that's where all of the the connections and all the links to everything are, and uh, and then we will uh, look forward to. Uh, our our next yeah episode and we'll see you next week good thank you thank you for listening to the book of mormon evidence podcast if you like this come follow me supplemental study click the like button and share it with your friends be sure to go to bookofmormonevidence.org which is a hub with all the links that you would like to the podcasts to upcoming events the store 200 plus answers about the Book of Mormon, as well as links to our streaming site, which now has over 100 new videos from our virtual expo. If you want to see the expo, go to comefollowme2020.org, and you can also see them on the streaming site, bookofmormonevidencestreaming.com.